0: Conversations around good. Yo, we talking. The conversations around good. Yo, yo, we talking. Yo, conversations, conversations conversations around the good. Welcome to the Made Possible by podcast, where we have conversations around good with community minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited that you're about to listen in on another episode of the Made Possible by podcast. I wanted to take a quick second to let you know exactly what we do. Made Possible By makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Now let's jump into the podcast.
1: Hello and thank you for joining us for another conversation around good. I am Tracy with Made Possible By and we do two things at Made Possible. We make giving easy for community-minded businesses and we provide them a better way to share their stories of good. We say we love to make good loud and this is one of the ways that we get to do that. We get to share stories of people that are doing cool things out in their communities and I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Ms. Tiffany Effort, and excuse me Everett and you are joining us from California today. I am and it's sunny
2: right now but like I said we had a weird week out here so hopefully getting back to normal
1: had some thunderstorms. or people freaking out about the rain?
2: Yeah, the best part about it is on all the news stations, is your kids can send in their rain photos, which I'm from the East Coast, so that used to be a snow photo. But yes. out here, it's such a weird event that you send in your rain photos. So my kids love it. My daughter plays in the puddles and Thinks it's a unicorn, so <laughs> we're
1: oh, continuing. nice. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I'm from Colorado, and we moved to Oklahoma, and people freak out about the smallest amount of snow on the ground, and you know, it's. I grew up literally in the mountains in Colorado, so oh, two you three know. feet of snow, it's just normal. It's just yeah. normal,
2: you know, yeah. and you
1: just roll with it and you just move on. But now they'll cancel school in Oklahoma the day before when not one snowflake has fallen, not one. And that's backfired on them more than once.
2: (laughs) Well, that's on preparedness. I'm impressed. We, so I am from Georgia, then went to undergrad and graduate school in the DC kind of area. And in DC, we wait till the roads are iced over and there is no mechanism in place to, Clear that ice to let everybody out of school and all hit the road. So, so yes. maybe preparedness wins in Oklahoma.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll just go with that. We'll go right. with that. Right. <laughs> Every area has their different things to deal with. Uh, well, Tiffany is the VP of Development for for the Children, and for the Children is building a world free of family induced childhood trauma. With over 250 chapters across North America in 12 countries, they're paving the way to recovery by providing intervention programs and advocacy for child victims of family-induced trauma. That's a lot. It's a lot.
2: It's a lot. It a it's a heavy lot. topic, um, but it it, yes, yeah, it's good work. Um, it's an old organization with really incredible roots, but it is a lot. <laughs>
1: Well, we'll definitely dive into more of that, but I wanted to share um, with our listeners a little bit more about you, Tiffany. Um, Tiffany's an accomplished professional in program development and strategic communications with 10 plus years of experience in cross sector partnerships, PR and communications, nonprofit organization design, change management, disaster relief and recovery, refugee resettlement, and child welfare. The core of her work is storytelling and its potential for transformation. Tiffany earned her master's degree, like she mentioned, um, in public health from the University of Virginia, has lived in Southern California for the past six years with her husband and two young children, one of which le- who likes to jump in puddles. Just like that. I don't know. Well, you look. You look like you're about twenty two, so you've done a lot in that time frame. Well, you
2: know, I look very young, but I am thirty two. <laughs> okay, um, but That's I still can still very tell young. You, it is very young, but um, it it can cause some hurdles in my professional career sometimes of how young I look. But my mother looks very young as well. And, um, and she is not no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I get my genes from her for sure. But I've always looked really young. My husband actually looks pretty young, too. But we're both 32
1: and 33. So Yeah. Okay. Nice. That's that's a great trait for a woman to have to look young. (laughs) Men don't necessarily appreciate that, but women, the older you get, the more you're going to appreciate that. Yes. Definitely. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Okay. So, Tiffany, tell us something unique about you and something that brought you joy this week.
2: Oh. Okay. Um, Something unique about me is I don't believe I've ever read a fiction book all the way through. What? I know. And my husband is a lover of the sci-fi and all the crazy creative stuff. Um, I only read nonfiction and pretty much biographies.
1: Wow, <laughs> and I, you, you're a scholar. No, I'm
2: just I I just am a very much a realist kind of person. And I, I've always tried to put my body into the story and I've attempted it. People say, no, 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 You got to read this one. I promise you, you won't be able to put it down. And I, I fall asleep actually usually because for whatever reason I cannot connect. And so, um, Sometimes I think it's a lack of creativity, but I think my creativity is channeled in different ways. So I'll, I'll give myself that. Um, but so that's interesting. Something that brought me joy this week. Well, uh, it's it's been yucky out here a little bit this week, but my kids have been nonstop sick. And I think as of yesterday, we might be cleared of ear infections and colds mm-hmm. and all the things. So that brings me joy because you, I'm sure you know it, but when they're sick, they are grumpy. And when they're not sick, they're just the greatest kids on the planet earth.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's a hard road when people, when they don't feel good and they don't necessarily understand what's happening either. And so they're just, they're just whiny, but bless their hearts. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. We have to go back to this book thing because you're blowing my mind with this. Um, So can you watch movies? Can you watch fictional movies?
2: I can watch fictional movies, but I will tell you my favorite show is West Wing. Uh, My second favorite show is 24. My third favorite show is Madam Secretary. (laughs) So I can do... Yes. So I can do like um, action movies. I'm good with that. Um, If they're really funny, I can do that sort of thing. But I mean, seriously, my husband will beg me. And when you when you used to go to the movie theater, which now we hardly do, um, he would beg me to take to watch these like anime or I don't even know what they are but they are definitely not in my realm and I can watch them but I'll leave the movie theater and say I I literally don't know what happened like I have no idea what the story was what the moral of the story was it just doesn't I don't comprehend it and it's all and when I was younger like, I really thought I struggled with comprehension. um, But I think it was like a lack of connectivity with the story. Because when I would read biographies, I could read the thing and, you know, very quickly and, um, and be just fine. know know all the details. But when I would read in school, um, some of the more fictional stuff, and I went to a performing arts school, which is kind of ironic in all of this, but we read a lot of that. And it would just go one ear out the other, I would be the words and just nothing was going in my brain
1: wow interesting yeah. that is so interesting okay so you like dramas and action yes yes okay okay there you go <laughs> okay nice nice it's usually the other way around right people yeah. really don't enjoy the nonfiction. so okay you're a unicorn there you there go, we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us about uh, For the Children, how it started, and what drew you to the work.
2: Yeah. So, For the Children was started um, in 1990. Um, it was started by a pastor here in Southern California. Um, He kind of questioned, you know, when there's all these vacation Bible school schools and camps, summer camps for kids that come from very privileged backgrounds. He asked himself, well, what about kids that are living in group homes or those who are in the foster care system? And so with um, the courage of a lion, I mean, this man, he actually lives not too far from me. So I have the honor and privilege of connecting with him often. Um, But he took, I think it was like 37 kids up to a campground and he called it the Cathedral of the Outdoors and just gave them a time to be Free and kids and not think about their circumstances and swim, learn how to swim, climb trees, do a ropes course, uh, be you know brave in different kind of physical activity ways and um, and what he slowly found was that this is a form of healing for these children. Um, it wouldn't be until about the you know two thousand early 2000s that play therapy really became like a well-known thing of with intentional play you can actually be supporting uh, vulnerable children with therapeutic techniques. And so um, he had started this, like I said, in 1990. It was originally called Royal Family Kids. Um, and the idea around that was we wanted to treat everyone royally. It's still something that we value of, you know, when the kids get picked up, they're not being picked up in school buses or kind of junky cars they are being picked up in the nicest Um, you know, VIP style uh, buses and with the movie screens and everything. So in everything, we are really intentional about giving these children the best experience and something that they probably only experience through our programs, where we really want to lay out the red carpet for them and make them feel very special. Um, So that started in 1990 and has evolved over the years into Two core direct service programs, which are our summer camps, which you said they occur in 250 plus communities throughout the world. In the United States, we have about 225 chapters um, and we serve kids from about 600 counties. Um, And so we do that through our summer camps and then our school year-long mentoring program. So obviously for a lot of our chapters, they said, well, we're not saying bye to these kids after five days. We need to do something throughout the year to stay connected. And through research and evidence-based practices, we know that one of the critical components for these children in particular in their lives is to have a safe and consistent adult relationship. Um, As you mentioned, family. family-induced childhood trauma in our mission statement and our vision statement. Um, That's actually something we came up with. Um, where we focus is family-induced childhood trauma. So the family unit, which is supposed to be the most trusted people in your life, the ones that are supposed to protect you and keep you safe, they are the perpetrators of the trauma. And that's a different experience than when you're in a hurricane or um, for, I came from the refugee resettlement world, um, when you become a refugee, those those um, events are horrifying. But Family-induced childhood trauma is something different because it does create this, like, break in your most trusted relationship. So we really focus in on that uh, lane, um, children who've experienced that. But um, more recently, we have gotten in the space of advocacy. Um, which is not going to Capitol Hill and, you know, soliciting support in different ways. For us, it's relational advocacy. It's a term that I came up with last year um, where we want and really we don't even have to say want. It already happens. But our volunteers are so bought into this work that it just spills out of them. So when we're working out or when we're with our small groups or we're, you know, going to Christmas and having dinner with our family, the work of what we're doing up for the children just spills out of us. That is advocacy. And so we have 10,000 volu- or over 20,000, sorry, 20,000 volunteers that are trained in trust-based relational intervention. They're all FBI background checked. But these are our advocates. We have 20,000 people around the globe that are spilling out their joy and um, the redemption that they see in working with these kids. So that's a newer
1: space for us, but we just kind of named the thing that was already happening. Nice, nice. So what drew you to join this organization? Yeah, so
2: um, like you stated, so I started after graduate school in refugee resettlement. I oversaw two federal grants for refugees, and that was really amazing. But in 2014, there were some unfortunate events that happened with refugees. Um, one was the little boy washing ashore in Greece, and then a couple weeks later, the Paris terrorist attacks happened. And I was actually very young at the time and just realized, um, you know, this is some Intense work. Refugees have stolen my heart. I will forever support that work and maybe one day we'll re enter that space. But it was really hard for being so young and um, some of the things that we experienced as staff was pretty tough because the kind of political view of the situation just swings so heavily. So then I went into something a little bit more lighthearted and disaster recovery. <laughs> And um, worked at <laughs> one of the largest organizations no one's ever heard of, but it's called Good 360. Um, they broke off from the United Way years, years ago, like 35 years ago. Um, but we were basically the in-between between corporate giving and nonprofits. So I was brought on to help develop a disaster recovery program. Um, and we worked with every major corporation from Walmart, CVS. Amazon, all the folks, when they wanted to give during disaster, we would help um, that process. But one of our key components was not um, hurting more than we're helping. So oftentimes in disasters, unwanted goods end up into the disaster space, causing all sorts of problems for on the ground workers and survivors. And so we really focused on how do we provide the right goods at the right time um, to the right people. And so I helped build that program. And it was wonderful. And um, I had a child <laughs> during that time, she'd taken, I think, 10 cross country flights with me in one year. And so we decided wow. to, um, yeah, get frank- <laughs> it was a lot of was- miles too. She did. And we had the Southwest Companion Pass. So we were just cruising. Um, But uh, in early 2020, I decided um, I needed to uh, do something more locally. And so I found out I was pregnant again. And um, so on February 24th, 2020, I joined for the children. So really briefly, kind of why I joined them. I sat down with the CEO, uh, Paul Martin is our current CEO. And he told me about this organization that 20,000 volunteers are in- 245, you know, cities, and I never heard of them, ever. And then I started hearing the stories that were coming out of this organization, and we're talking about, like, unbelievable stories of transformation and just incredibly inspiring stories from the volunteer side and the actual child side, and um, really was interested Um, Royal Family Kids is not a name that lives well um, in other countries because of colonization and the issues that um, come with that. Um, So it it was a little bit of a dated (laughs) logo, to say the least. Um, And they needed to kind of bring it into the 21st century and kind of modernize the organization. So I was brought in. um, And if you note, 24th of February 2020 was about two weeks before the world shut down. So I came in, um, the organization had gone through something called theory of change, which was this kind of, uh, Process to really say, like, who are we? Who do we want to be? And it was this powerful, powerful process. Um, and so I was kind of coming in to help lead that transformation. And then the pandemic happened. So it accelerated some things, it threw things off course, it did all of the things that everyone experienced, but it's been amazing. And I've learned things that I had no idea was possible um, for me to learn. So it's been a, a big, big year and a half since I've been there
1: yeah it has I, you know it's so interesting I keep hearing of more and more people who started a new career right before or you know early on pandemic and how great it was you know I mean that they're thankful that they made that change and it was kind of um serendipitous you know the timing not that a pandemic is great but you know sometimes some good things can even come out of horrible things so yeah
0: When people ask you about your business, what do you say? How do you describe your products or services? Are you selling yourself short because you just can't put it into words? You're good at what you do, but it's not always easy to communicate how you're great at your work with simplicity. But now you have help. My friend Andrea at Strategic Hype will help you clarify your mission and communicate your value with a hype kit. This process will help you cut through the noise and share the best of what you do. We recently did a Hype Kit for Made Possible By, and it has allowed us to really simplify our message in order to get greater reach. For details on all the good stuff you'll get out of this Hype Kit, email andrea at strategic-hype.com or reach out to us and we will personally connect you.
1: us about how you all support the children, support the communities. Can you give us any specific stories maybe of any of those kiddos that have had, I mean, yeah. can't give us any names, but you know, yeah. some some heartwarming stories?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, we do have heartwarming stories. Um, I'm going to tell a story that I think is important to hear because it shows um, how important everybody's role is in children's lives. Um, But we do have the stories. I do want to mention every year we have about 200, 250 of our volunteers that adopt or foster the children in our programs. And that's not even a thing we really have programmatized. We haven't put structure to that. It is literally because their hearts are stolen and broken by these children and their stories. And they feel led to go down that path. And luckily, a lot of our local chapters have experience with that. So they have great agencies that they've partnered with. Um, But that is kind of one of the most incredible things is that a lot of our volunteers lean into that. Um, It's something that we are trying to put some structure around now to say, how can we make this as easy of a process as possible? Um, A lot of your listeners have a certain view of the foster care system and it's definitely not working on all fronts. You know, there are definite gaps, mm-hmm. but it's when you look at the foster care system, if you look at it from purely the system, the government side, you're missing it. You're missing all of the organizations that try to fill those gaps and really try to make it what it is. Again, imperfect, but there are so many other things that are happening along the process um, that kind of get overlooked. And we, we have work to do in the system, but there's some really amazing things happening. So um, one story was last year um, amidst the pandemic, we had kind of rolled out a new program, which was called group mentoring. So it was something that could be more easily done um, on Zoom with smaller groups. We could do it outdoors uh, safely, you know, using social distancing. So it was something that um, was very new to our organization, but we called it group mentoring. And it was at least a time for these kids to get together be in front of safe adults. And so we incorporated something called Connection Corner, where um, if I mean, everybody knows this, but there were racial reconciliation um, of 2020. There was more Me Too and sexual violence that had been broadcasted ac- across our television screens, the pandemic um, being closed and not having access to your schools or your teachers or your friends. These kids were navigating all this without stable adults. In their life. They, they, I don't, I keep it, you know, from my, I have a two-year-old and I sort of introduced like, oh, why are we wearing a mask? Or, you know, she didn't really realize what was going on, but I kept thinking about our children that we serve at for the children, which are six to 12 year olds. That was probably the hardest age range because they don't have fully developed frontal cortexes. So they can't really reason and navigate the way an adult could. Um, and I don't know if they had, if the majority of them had adults that were explaining what was going on in the world. So We created this thing called Connection Corner, where we talked about those big things that were going on and allowed it to be a safe space for our kids to ask questions and talk through some of the feelings that they were experiencing. And um, one of the Connection Corners was focused around safe touch and just what is safe touch. Um, You know, we kind of have the mantra of your entire body is your private part. So this is your body and it's yours to be protected and nobody gets to touch it without your consent. And, and so we had this discussion and a little girl at one of our chapters went home and um, came back the following week and said, you know, I think my uncle is not touching me appropriately. And the child ended up having to be removed from the home, but we because of that one lesson, we're able to stop abuse, and um, and that that was so powerful for us to think that our programs, while virtual, while not normal, you know, they were still working. They were protecting children, um, and so that was just one story yeah. of success. But it's just such a critical thing of. What if we didn't say we don't, what if we didn't plan that lesson? You know, I think about that all the time this child would be still locked in with her abuser. And so, um it's not a feel good story necessarily, but that child, that little girl is protected and she's in a safe home now. Now, does there need to be healing and do we need to stay involved absolutely? But um she's safe, which is which is our number one priority.
1: Mm. And and that we're just hearing more and more about during the pandemic of the child abuse cases that are just on the, they rose dramatically. And, and, I, and the, I think those numbers are just starting to trickle out, which is heartbreaking, but it just makes me thankful for organizations like yours that are out there just having that one little, you know, connection corner, just saying, Hey, this is okay. This is not okay. And just ha- allows them to turn the light on and go, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I can stand up for myself.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of brilliant components to our programs and the root of all of our programming and our curriculum is relationship. So safe adult, consistent, safe adult relationships in these kids' lives. And so um, we, like I said earlier, we use a modality called trust-based relational intervention that was developed at TCU. Um, and we utilize that modality because we believe, like they do, that what's broken in relationship must be healed through relationships from safe relationships. And we know that when kids are able to navigate relationships and understand what is safe and what is trusting, they the outcomes are unreal. Um, but I hate to say it, there's a lot of kids out there that don't have access to that. So while we serve so many kids, 10,000 annually, it's not even close to to what is needed at mm-hmm. large. Yeah.
1: Mm, that's it's, it's hard to hear those kind of things. Um, so that's a great transition though. How can our listeners help you? Um, do you have events coming up? Are there ways that they can donate? Um, what does that look like for you all?
2: Yeah, so our number one thing is that you don't have to foster, you don't have to adopt, but you can do something. So the very basic thing is we started a campaign called See the Unseen. Um, If you know anything about the blue campaign, it was a human trafficking campaign where now you see the signs at the airport, you see them in restaurants. Um, But what about the signs of child abuse? That's what we kept asking ourselves. A lot of people know the Sarah McLaughlin song about animal abuse, but they don't know anything about child abuse. So what we're asking the community is to be vigilant, know the signs, know the number to call. Um, so if you go to our website at forthechildren.org, at the top, you'll see a little banner that teaches you, you can download a guide, you can post it at your church, you can post it at your workplace, but it's a community's guide to identifying signs of abuse and neglect, Um, and it's really critical. We, um, so we ask our community members to know those signs and know what to do. What to do is not to intervene yourself. What to do is to call the hotline and make sure you can recognize those signs and and give them appropriate information. Um, the other way kind of a little bit more engages to actually volunteer. So, um, Our camps require you to take off five days of your work and go spend it with kids overnight at a camp. That's a lot. Um, I'm not in a position with two really young kids to do that. And so um, it's a lot to ask. But if you do feel led to... Go to camp or start a camp, um, we would encourage you to do so. But there are other ways to engage. So we have our mentoring program where you can come and mentor one of the children on one-on-one, or we have those group mentoring sessions, which are a little bit less pressure um, because it's a group group um, situation. And then, you know, I also tell businesses all the time, I, you know, are you an engineer? Do you work in marketing? Do you sell shoes? Our children cannot make choices that are not made available to them. So if they don't know that they can have access to becoming an engineer, they can't make that choice for themselves. They can't figure out how to get there. So we love it when companies come alongside us at our mentoring programs and just share about their work. How did you get into the work that you got into? That is so valuable. Um, when I was younger, I grew up not very wealthy in Augusta, Georgia. And um, I had a doctor that intervened in my life. Um, I was a gymnast and did it through college and um, had lots of injuries. But when um, not that I ended up being a doctor, but I did get a master's in public health. Um, But he really shared like all all there was to becoming a doctor and why he did it. And it got me so interested in the field of public health. So it happened for me personally. So we invite companies to come and share about their work and how kids can get into that field later on. Um, And then, yes, of course you can donate. Um, We are a voluntary led organization. So what that means is that we're able to leverage our volunteers to do more with your dollars. So Almost every year, we end up at a 1 to thirty, one to 40 ratio. So what that means is when you give us a dollar, it's just not a dollar worth of services for these kids. It turns into $30. So if it's $1,000, it's actually $30,000 worth of services at minimum that we're able to provide these kids. And it's because of our volunteers. And our volunteers are pouring into these kids. They they are not doing this without excellence. They give everything when they're working with them. Um, and so we're proud of that we are a voluntary organization. So you know just to recap, so you can learn the signs of abuse and neglect and engage appropriately. You can come volunteer at camp or mentoring or share your work with us. Um, you can donate and the last thing is actually you can be a local advocate know what's going on, because like you said, we're seeing extreme increases in child abuse reports. And for every one child abuse report, only a fraction of those actually end up in the system. So abuse and neglect is still going on and it may not actually be in the system. So we have over 400,000 kids in the foster care system. That's exponentially increasing right now. Um, And and hundreds of thousands of more kids have cases open that are not in the system. And we're actually seeing a decline in available foster parents. We're Mm -hmm. seeing a decline in adoptive parents because the pandemic really took a toll on a lot of our communities. So, people don't have the availability to bring another child into their home. Um, so, we really encourage anybody listening to know what's going on in your community. Um, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, in disaster recovery, we talk about resiliency a lot. And what we found was that our children, the systems and structures around them, were not built resiliently during the pandemic. We found that our kids were away from teachers, and so there was actually a sharp decline in child abuse reports. Now they're back in front of teachers. There's a sharp incline. That's not resilience. So the kids that are in the foster care system, they have every social ill built up against them, homelessness, incarceration, teen pregnancy, all of the things. These are our future community members. So we ask everyone to think about that. Engage in a kid right now prevents you from having to Deal with the adult that's struggling later on in life with uh, with drug abuse and homelessness. So it is important to stay on that front end. And what we believe is through the community, we can build this resiliency model for kids. Um, And we need it now more than ever, because the impact of the pandemic was the impact. It's already happened. So we need full community engagement.
1: Hmm. Wow. There's so many ways that people can get involved to give back. Will you give your website again that they can go to and get more information?
2: Yeah. So it's for the children, all spelled out.org. Um, so www And, um, if you post my contact information, I would love to connect with those who are interested.
1: Um, but I, I just appreciate this time. No, absolutely. So Tiffany's out of California, but it's, you're national. So it yeah. doesn't matter where you are. You can help a child somewhere. I guarantee you there's a child in foster care that could use some help wherever you are. So do reach out to Tiffany. She can get you connected. So what do you want to leave us with today? You gave us lots of opportunities on how we can help, but what's your call to action What's your motivational statement?
2: Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, again, not everyone can foster, adopt or be the hero all the time, but you can do something. Um, and so I think our our nation needs to heal. It needs to come together. And children provide that for us. Um, if we want our future and our communities to be a certain way, we engage in children now. <laughs> we work with the most vulnerable. So I would just say, think about how, what are the small things that you can do? Can you provide a backpack can you speak into the life of a child? Can you volunteer? Can you offer $10, $20? Whatever it is, it really is making a difference. So I just encourage people to kind of take a look in on, on how they can um, help build our communities back stronger.
1: Mm. It's like preventative social reform, right? You're doing yes. it on the front end when, they're, when their brains are like sponges and we can yes. Uh, Get positive things going in their lives and they don't have to endure years and years of trauma. We can stop it right here. Yeah, Get them to a healthy place. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, thank you, Tiffany, for choosing to do what you do. And thank you for taking the time to share the story with us today. Absolutely. Thanks so much. That's great. Listeners, thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. Um, If you know someone in your community that is doing cool things, an organization, a business, some way giving back, uh, reach out to us. We would love to share their stories. You can go to made possible by made possible by dot us. Thanks.
0: Thank you for joining us for another conversation around good. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on a story of good. Made Possible By makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provides a better way to share their stories of good. Go to madepossibleby.us for more information or to sign up to be a guest on our podcast. Now, get out there and make good loud. Conversation, Gonna have a good time. Gonna, 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 going Here, here. For conversation. Gonna have a good time. Say Say what? Here to talk.